Hey everyone, uh, I'm Matt Mason. I play guitar in a band called DMAs. And I sing in a, another band called Glitter Graphics. Hi guys, I hope you've gotten over your Jamison hangover with Elliot and Monty from the Delta Riggs from last week. That was a spicy chat. I hope you've enjoyed the series so far too. Um, as you've heard, I've honestly had the best time making it and I'm sure we can fit in some more episodes in the very near future. Let's finish off with a little band called the DMAs. You heard of them? Uh, they covered Cher. They ended up on a FIFA game soundtrack. They've supported Liam Gallagher. They've played the AFL Grand Final and they've released some of my all-time favourite Aussie albums. They were my first post-lockdown COVID gig, actually, a stripped-back acoustic set with strings at the Factory Theatre in Marrickville. They've announced some shows in the UK now and will be playing some great venues in Australia in September 2021. Get on board, dmas.com, see if there's any tickets left. It's near impossible to get the three of them together in a room. They're all so busy, unless they're, of course, playing live, but I managed to jag... Maddie Mason in our happy place. Upstairs at a little pub in Chippendale. We've had a lot of fun up there, but I thought, why not just record it one day? So sit back in this uh, last episode of the first series of introducing Maddie Mason from the DMAs. Did you want to describe this room for people who are listening in their little earpods at the moment? Okay, so it's... Uh, it's Where a, are we at, basically? Well, it's... it's just, I, th- I think it was built in the 1800s. You going back that far? Well, I just, just yes, yeah, like just. This isn't grand designs. This is painting, uh... <laughs> yeah, <it's> certainly not. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's just our little studio we've got. You know, it's like it's above a, a film studio. It's next door to a pub, which isn't great for productivity. You know, we're just hanging out on two plastic chairs. These are, as you described before, kick-on chairs, which I like. These are very comfortable. Yeah, man. There's nothing I, wrong yeah, with the yeah, old yeah, plastic yeah, yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you call it? Kmart, Bunnings Kmart. chair? It's man, like, a lot of good chats have been had on these kind of chairs. Uh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not normally sitting down for the good chats, so I'm, I'm privileged. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just our music studio. Well, we were actually in here earlier today rehearsing for um for some acoustic gigs with our friend Jenny McCulloch on uh, violin. Sounded amazing, man. You know, we we love playing acoustically and we do it pretty well, but when we get someone like that in playing violin and our friend Liam, I'm actually sitting right next to a drum kit. Yeah, I know. We are surrounded. This basically is basically like, sitting on a drum. <laughs> yeah, we are surrounded by instruments here. Um, you are. I mean, look, you are a multi instrumentalist. It's wow. fair to say. Yeah. What What's your favorite? Though? What What was the first instrument you picked up, and and what made you now decide to do this as an actual job? First instrument I played was cello. Cello. Yeah, man. Cello. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, such a. I remember I just falling in love with it when I was about ten years old. It's got the same register as the human voice. Is that right? That's what a lot of people love it, but a lot of people don't know that about it. And I think that that's the reason that a lot of people hold it dear to their heart is because it reminds you of, you know, a friend. But it's a bit of a, like, it's, you must, I always think, because I played violin, I always think cellist. Second hardest instrument to well, learn. Obviously, Second look hardest. <laughs> look at me. Is that right? What's the first? The bassoon. <laughs> well, I don't know anyone that played the bassoon. No, bro. I don't and if, you do, if you do, fuck being there. <laughs> but I think I always look at cellists <laughs> and I went, Cellists are like they got to lug that thing around with them. Like that, it was yeah, pretty yeah, embarrassing getting yeah. on the bus with a, a cello. Yeah, especially when it's as big as you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got wheels, you know. Oh, yeah, but right. yeah, I used to get I used to get paid out by my mates at school. But were you finger yeah. were you finger plucking it or are you purely you start, on the bar? You're not allowed to touch a boat for the first year. Is that right? Yeah. Why is that? It's, you know, man. Horse hair? Like, is it a horse well, hair thing? Yeah. I just find it so funny that the bows now are made out of carbon fiber and horses hair. Yeah. It's like. It's a weird crossover of like fucking medieval times and fucking Blade Runner. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It really like why is. it's like, and the strings used to, well, I uh, the strings used to be made out of cat's guts, like really, really long hang time on. ago. But I I had the set of strings on my cello that was made out of pig's intestines. Hang on, hang on. But see, when did they stop that? <laughs> well, they're still making them out of pig's guts. Cat's yeah. guts, uh, yeah, they know about Just it. more reasons for cellists to be unpopular. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> Walking yeah, yeah, around yeah, with yeah, that yeah. stanky case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Here comes yeah, pig started, guts. Dude, okay, so I started on cello. Yeah. Then, um, then I started getting into guitar because well, with cello, you can only really play one note. At a, you can play two notes at a time, yeah. but you can't play a chord. No. And if you want to rock out and sing a song, then cellos you need to have either 10 of them like in an orchestra or you need to be playing along with someone else yeah as an accompaniment kind of thing so get into guitar start strumming along and then just started writing songs and meeting people at school i met well i was our drummer liam i've known him since we were in kindergarten we're in a kindergarten class together and um so when we were like 12 13 he bought a drum kit and i bought an electric guitar yeah, right. We started jamming together and we were in like some real bad bands. <laughs> but were you actually, were you in bands or were you just mucking around? Because this, this is the, yeah, I was like always mucking around with instruments, but those, the people like yourself who went to that next level go, let's start a band. Let's do a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> photo shoot comes first. I don't know if that first. means if you're in a band, I just think it means you're a tosser. But photo shoot comes first, the songs can wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're in the industry. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Let's the, the first thing anyone says in radio is let's do a photo shoot. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. yeah. No, dude, same thing. He's, you'll be talking with someone at a public. Let's start a band. They're like, you want to just start an Instagram right now? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, no, 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 we don't have any music. No, no, no. So how did you meet um, uh, Tookie and Tom then? Um, let, let's talk DMAs because you've told me sometimes that Tom was a, a reluctant front man as far as he was never a, a singer or was that? Was it the you guys that got him to start singing or was it one of his high school bands? I'll start with how we met. Good. I was in a, I was in a bluegrass band playing the banjo, which is another real dorky instrument to be yeah. playing. And, uh, well, Steve Martin made it cool. If you could- Yeah, man. He, <laughs> he shreds. Really he shreds. I, I, pl- I watched him live quickly off topic. No, no. He's like one of the top three banjo players in the he's world. He's good, bro. I was like, shit. He's really good. He's better than your jokes. And he looks good. And he looks good playing <laughs> banjo really as well. Does. He yeah, looks yeah. the pie, dresses well, you know. He does. yeah, yeah. Um, so you started playing the banjo. Yeah, well, I was, I was playing the banjo at this folk festival and Johnny Johnny had been writing songs for a while, but he saw me playing the banjo and the Dobro slide, in, slide guitar. Which yeah, we'll is get real, to that very soon. It's real similar to the banjo, actually. That's going to be a special guest in um, a matter of moments. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> Um, bit of Simon and Garfunkel for you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny came up to me straight like after after our set and came up to me and was like, man, what was what's that guitar you were playing? Like, you know, I've been looking for other people that play this kind of music. I'm trying to get into the – this is we would have been 20. Okay. And he goes, here's my, here's my EP. I went home and listened to it that night and I loved it. And I actually texted him that night. I said, man, what are you doing tomorrow night? I'll come over to your apartment. Photo shoot. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll give you the password to our new Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, dude, we jammed like all the, I learned all the songs from his CD before I got there. Well, see, that's good. See, these are, these are the qualities of someone who you're meant to be doing this for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus someone like me. It that's was, well, it, it was not hard. They weren't the most tricky songs in the yeah, world. Right. They're but folk still, songs. Yeah, it, it sounded impressive. Yeah, and yeah, I was. I came in really prepared because I was so excited. He had such a great voice and his songs. I, I hadn't really heard songs in that like written exactly like that before. And in the focal words, it can get a bit repetitive. He had this sort of interesting take on it. We started a band that night, actually. And it, it, it slowly 
we slowly added members until we we're about seven people. Okay. And then it got a bit too crazy. Is that three too many for a band? Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah, four's a lot. Almost, yeah. We've got three, like there's six in our touring party, but three people yeah, sort of, of in the yeah, yeah, yeah. in the office, you could say. Um, because <laughs> any like more that. than that, making decisions and yeah, you know, it, it yeah, you can it's it's hard enough, man. It's hard yeah. enough with just a couple of people, let alone seven. So that kind of <laughs> kind of fizzled out. And then I think Johnny was in another band called Underlights and Tommy was the drummer. That's right. Okay. That's and Johnny right. was the bass player. And this was this was at the same time that we were doing this bluegrass thing, you know, and he was doing it. They were kind of like psych rock. And um there were the other there was two singers in the band who both played guitar as well. They they were recording. They left to go do something else. And Tommy and Johnny were sitting around. And then Tommy was like, Oh hey, um he sung a part of the song. Like, can we go back to that part? And Johnny's like, What part? He goes, ah, and Johnny's like, what? Yeah, yeah. What? Sing, those sing that moments. again. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And he made him repeat it. And then they, I think they just like, Johnny was like, hey, screw this. I've got another song. Let's work on that. Yeah. And then they just worked in a bunch of songs together. And because I was in another band with Johnny, I was hanging around. I saw this is cool. Yeah. What these guys are doing is really cool. And I had a couple of songs like that and I showed them and they loved it. Because we can say this is two men and without him here, he has a stunningly beautiful voice. Yeah. And, it's crazy. And, and especially with a band like yours, with so, such great, like so many variants to your music, but his his voice just might, brings it all back. It's insane. Yeah. I still am blessed to be able to make music with him to this, mm. easily. Like I, every time that I hear him sing, it's just, it's such a treat to be a songwriter. Like I can sing, but, you know, if I was the singer of the band, this wouldn't, this interview wouldn't be happening. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So it's so great to be able to write a song and then give it to a friend of yours who that you that you trust that was also an amazing singer and then just have them perform it so well. It's it's a it's crazy. I'm very well, we, blessed. We have a fifteen second rule on the on the podcast, which we're allowed to play fifteen seconds of music. Do you know the first song that you performed together as a threesome? Like it might not have it might not have song, been a single. Yeah, but- the first song that we recorded together was a song called Play It Out. Do you can you do a little bit of that for us? Here we go. So this is the first clip that we ever filmed. And this was before we had a manager. So what year was this? This is put up three years ago, but it was our management. We put it up about eight years ago. Yeah, okay. And so, how did you feel after that? So, you you both recorded that song. Did you look at each other and go, "Whew, okay, we're onto something here"? Because obviously, you've all had experience with other bands. And no, other we we didn't really think or- it was going to be that much of a big deal. And we'd never done anything musically that was a big deal. We'd never been approached by a manager. We'd never been signed. We'd never really been played on the radio. So everything that we did, well, we didn't have a goal. We just put it out, and then within a week, we were approached by management and different labels and. And how do you navigate something like that as three mates with no one kind of- We ignored everybody. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, perfect. For good months. Advice. For months. For young players. We just thought, oh, man. Like, we didn't think, like, this could be an experience for us. We kind of just thought, oh, these guys just want a piece of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not seeing it as a potential to grow as a band, just thinking, like, nah, get out of here. You know? Yeah. And then I remember sitting around. We And then we we messaged- Liam won't like me saying this, but we messaged him, like, a month later or something, being like, oh, you know, like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll meet up. And then it was great meeting him because he's one of my best friends mm. and he's an amazing manager. Mm. So lucky to have to get involved with him early on. And then he he helped us navigate through agents and labels and stuff. And he's been great. 
honestly wouldn't wouldn't be able to do without him. So what happened? What happened after after that? So you you've got an you've got an agent now. What's the first thing he tells you guys to do? It was you know it was just get in a van and just tour. Yeah, try and get your name out there, and so we would just get in a, in a van and put all our stuff in the back. Find someone who would do sound engineering and tour managing, and drive down to Melbourne or up to Brisbane. Yeah, right. Because flights were off the, you know, you, know, you couldn't get well, you pay for flights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. it was like, yeah. So another reason why you probably don't want seven out. people in the band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and we and then we found friends to be the other uh, players in the band. Mm. Um, friends, f- always friends first over talent. Even though we'd luckily, lucky we're friends with some of the most talented people, so mm. that was easy. But I see a lot of people, you know, just picking like a session guitarist over someone that they went to school with. Yeah, and you know, you might be getting hotter solo but the chemistry on stage might not be as yeah. good and what's authenticity you know and it's also i always think it's like any job you can you can teach someone to do something but if you it's in especially with what you're saying you're hanging around in a van you're, you're going to adelaide you want to enjoy the company with of the person 100 percent. yeah all right so you get to that we should um, start a band we should you actually um, that's my whole plan that's that why we're doing this <laughs> yeah, i'll bring my cello yeah yeah you just you just you just you just lock the studio on the way out it's just like you're not going anywhere yeah. man. until we record 12 until tracks three. <laughs> go um so tell us uh hills end look i know uh the glow has just come out and it's number two debuted at number two in australia but hills end still my favorite album and i think that that is you reckon well, I just because of what it meant at that time as well. Like it was early yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Hills End. What does that mean to you as the debut album? Um, it. You know, we just record. We produced it. We produced a lot of it ourselves. A lot of it was. A lot of it was done by this guy Dylan Adams in a studio in Coogee, in this small sort of hole in the wall. I went there the other day actually to see um, a, some friends of mine, a band called Clues, were recording. They come down to the studio, and I walked in, and I was like, "No, this studio. I haven't yeah, been here right. in almost a decade." Yeah, anyways, he nailed it. But we did a lot of the overdubs and a lot of the extra vocals and stuff in at that apartment. Same as this, you could hear the cars going past. Yeah. You know, like it's a studio, but you know, you wouldn't you know, you shouldn't be doing anything serious in an environment that's not properly soundproofed and stuff. But yeah, we did a lot of it there and it just sort of sounds it sounds a bit it sounds like it's been done in a bedroom. That's why you to should me. be banned from listening to your own music. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Talk to yeah. us fans, you know, we know better. What am I gonna listen to then? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, but let's go to let's, let's skip forward to COVID a bit because when you when you did the um, uh, music from the home front performance of the Crowded House song, you were telling me, and again, I only know half the story because every time I'm in this room with you, it's not, we're not as succinct. Yeah, that's true. Um, we party. Was here that done in an uh, in an iPhone? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Talk about not produced properly. That, but that sounded to uh-huh. an audience incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so we've been doing uh, when sort of these isolation videos happened and everyone was in lockdown. I don't know if you remember seeing them sort of bands would be doing them, just sort of filming themselves in their bathroom. And Tommy could have come over here, you mm. know, to the studio, but he just goes, no, I don't really want to leave the apartment. You know, I shouldn't, you know, it's yep. better if everyone just stays inside. And I was like, okay, well just, just record your vocal, get you, get your girlfriend's phone, get listen to the song on her phone. And then you just record your vocal into the, your iPhone. Yeah. Like how bad could it be? Mm. Thinking like, it's not going to be good. It's just a phone microphone. I get the vocal back. It's amazing. Put it through some plugins and stuff. Mm. It sounds just as good as any other microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like right. I mean, that just—that's going to make me sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. It wasn't as good, but I was so surprised with the quality of it. And yeah, yeah we used it 
got put on that CD, it got like mastered and stuff, totally. and the vocal's just in a, an iPhone recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that happened with the camera long before that because- Yeah, that's I mean, true. The Chicago Tribune in, in the US, the newspaper was sacking their photographers as soon as the iPhone came out. Like, yeah, yeah. You journalists can also take your own photos. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The They're iPhone's good. got a lot to be- But this is, it's so dangerous that Tommy knows that. Yeah. Because now okay. he's just doing nothing. He's just going, oh, I'll just do it at home. Well, he's not here now. No, no. <laughs> he's exactly. He's not here now. And if he was going to, if he was asked to be on it, he'd ask if he could do it over the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the album's out. How does that change? Do you do you now decide, because you've all obviously got other interests and other bands and other friends, when do you decide that DMAs is going to be a job? And is that you or is that uh, from outside pressure? Because, I mean- then it seemed like you were everywhere and still are everywhere and in a good way, yeah. not in a pestering way. You've literally gone- I feel right. like we're shoving it down people's throats a, l- a little bit every now and then. Yeah. When Why I'm do you my, say that though? Well, I, I don't follow the band on my Instagram. Yeah. Okay. So I get the ads that, <laughs> that, are, that, that the band- Right. Well, that's like, clever. I actually, I actually didn't follow the band to avoid it. Yeah. And now- On Instagram. And I use Instagram quite a bit. So I didn't want to be seeing it all the time. And mm. But now I'm getting like the ads because I'm not following it. I'm yeah. seeing it like, oh my god! Does everyone see this? I must be so sick of us. You know? <laughs> I guess it only happens every two years that we do this kind of psycho promo. So. Yeah. Well, how, well, how did uh, now we're talking COVID and speaking into iPhones and stuff? What did you have planned? Like, what's now on the back burner? What What was supposed to happen for DMAs in 2020? We were supposed to be overseas right now. I think. I think it was last week we were supposed to play the Castlefield Bowl in Manchester, which was eight thousand, mm. which sold out in less than a day. Re- was really keen on doing that. Mm. I think there was even a competition that we did to fly someone over there, like yeah, an Australian right. well, fan. They must to go be really the- pissed off. The well, I'm happy for I'm happy won. for them because they would have been they would have been shocked. Yeah, I think a lot of Australian music fans think, oh, you know, we're a bit crazy. We get in the mosh pit. We no, no, nothing. No, it doesn't even compare to what they're like over in the north of England and like the UK, northern UK, Glasgow. Yeah, it's insanity, man. There's like at least like the last time we played in Manchester, we held the record for the most. Nautical flares set off indoors in the venue's history was 27. Well, slow clap for that. Come on, everyone in the room. That's that's a record. It's not good because people, there's like- Your there's, next album should be called Nautical Flares. There's, there's, that's, it's not a bad thing for a record. <laughs> we just don't good. want to encourage it though because no. people, are, well, people, are, people that are asthmatics, are, you know, they can't breathe. People are getting their eyes washed out by paramedics. They're throwing them. You, we can't breathe. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's just like, it's insane. Well, let, let's talk about the UK because I remember we were in this room again and we were watching when um, the live stream of your Brixton Academy mm. show was on. Yeah, that was a Which good was incredibly impressive to stand uh-huh. there with you watching you on stage at the Brixton Academy. Yeah, yeah. But the UK love you. Tell us about how all that started and then you can go into your Liam Gallagher love affair as well. If oh, yeah, you wish. okay, okay. Well, okay, so we get compared- all the time to British bands. Even sometimes I'll meet people after gigs overseas. They'll be like, where's your accent from? Like, what part of the UK are you from? They'll yeah, be like, right. no, we're Australian. They'll be like, no, like I've been a fan for years. Don't tell me that you're Australian. So they, a lot of UK people don't even know. Well, the guys that set off nautical flares indoors have probably never been on a plane. I'm not to be too judgy. <laughs> and shouldn't be allowed to <laughs> yeah, Exactly. What are you doing here? <laughs> um, uh, but would be a good, really good guy to be with if the plane went down. Absolutely, yeah. But you know, ah. for all of them, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, what was the? Yeah, okay, so, so UK, UK, and then because the UK conversation can go forever. But what made you go to the UK first, and and then the crowds? That, I mean, they love you. I listen to Radio X on my um, iPhone all the time. You play radio, constantly. Yeah, yeah I, I'm so very. If I anyone get from Radio X is listening, thank you. Yeah. 
Love what you're doing. Yeah, me too. Okay, so we we yeah, you know, we get the comparison all the time. We did before we even went over there. Um, Tommy's old man is from Liverpool. Right. And he's got some older siblings and he was brought up with that kind of northern sort of rock and roll music. And that's where that comes from. I didn't really listen to English music myself when I was a kid. I don't know Johnny did, but he was heavily into Americana music as well. But um, like I feel offspring. like if- <laughs> yeah, like no, we were talking. About, he loves the offspring. We've had we've bro, had conversations the, about bro, I saw the offspring. I don't know where I, I saw the offspring. offspring kind of recently at a festival in Belgium. I see a lot of singers that are sort of getting on. They're a bit older, mm. like you know, when Elton John toured. Like I, I don't know if he's toured for a while, but the last time he toured, I heard that he put his songs down a couple of keys. Yeah, so okay. those high notes weren't so high. Which yeah, completely yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. I understand, but this guy was just. He has voice, and there stays on stage. Had not aged a single day. Yeah, okay. I was very impressed, okay, and I hope that. If I'm still going at that age, that I have that kind of that yeah. spark. Your they music's better. Though. You'll be going at that age with better music. So I love that. Wait, so like well, I was saying, Americana, not like the Offspring album, like Springsteen, like Joni Mitchell and totally. stuff. You know, Neil Young kind of vibes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you write a song that's kind of like a country song and you sing it with a, an English accent, it kind of sounds like Britpop. Yeah. Okay. Like I've thought about it. I'm like, why do the songs that I write get compared? compared to the songs that I'm not inspired by. Mm. It's because I think that the music, the rock and roll comes from the same place. Mm. But as soon as you sing it with a British accent, which Tommy does do, mm. it sounds like Oasis. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we kind of had it fans as soon as we went over there. Like people just loved the nostalgic what quality it, that we it, had. Was it Hills End fans or was it we, lighter than that? we went over there pre-Hills End. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. we got invited to do a support with a band called The Cortinas after our EP. Yeah. And we just kind of toured around with them and sort of leached off their fans on their tour. Mm. But we kind of got a bit of a following. But we were still, for a couple of years, for a while, we were still playing to like 50, 100 people. Mm. Yeah. Now we go back there and play like, you know, 8,000 yeah. capacity rooms, which is, it's crazy. So how did Liam Gallagher become a fan? I think he, when those guys come to Australia, it's like the one of the, the last questions that the interviewers always ask, have you heard of Bank? DMAs. Yeah, right. Compared to you guys all the time. Yeah, right. And I think they were a bit sick of it, but he had a lot of friends. He told me that he had a lot of friends that were listening to us and recommending it to him and he finally got around to listen to it. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's a fan and he's a friend. Like he and Tommy got along instantly. Yeah. Also, I think his his girlfriend's twin sister is our publicist in the UK. Is that right? So there's like, we kind of, okay. there's a bit of, yeah. that helps with sort of meeting up and catching up. Mm, totally. But yeah, we did the tour with him. It was just so much fun, man. Mm. A lot of flares. Yeah. Um, but you know what? After the Manchester bombing, they are very, very careful backstage and there's a lot of security. And so we weren't, we couldn't really walk around as freely as if it was our own gig. Yeah, and okay. I think he's the kind of guy that he doesn't want to take any chances with any yeah. security risk for his fans or anyone working for him. Wants, wants to be as safe as possible. So they had sniffer dogs walking around and checking out all the, like just bomb sniffer dogs. And uh, so as much as it was fun, it was kind of, we were kind of contained to our dressing room the whole time. But um, he actually came over for a festival up in- Barry. but Down in Barry. Down in Barry. What's Fairgrounds? Fairgrounds. Was it Fairgrounds? I want to say Fairgrounds, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was Fairgrounds. And they ran, they ran out of Young Henry's. I was standing out the back with our mutual mate, Patty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys had finished and uh, Liam was about to come on and they'd ran out of Young Henry's. So everyone was drinking cider. 
So that that took a bit of the shine off the festival. There's a lot there. of cider, like there's a lot of cider, like <laughs> oh, Oasis they, gigs. That you know they yeah, love. They love it. They love a boomers. They love that stuff. Big pint, double pints. They double have pints of boomers. You know, have you seen those things they no. have in the UK? So it's double pints. That's like the standard drink that you get at a gig. Yeah, right. That we would play, and I'm sh- he would play too. And then when pe- they don't want to miss their spot, so they they relieve themselves in the pint glasses, <laughs> and then they just get lobbed over the back of the head. Oh, good. Yeah, and there's a saying in like Scotland, especially if it goes. If it hits, you get it hit by a drink and it's cold, you're good. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's why I was saying it's I think it, those uh, Australian fans that missed out on that Manchester show might be lucky because I think that they would have been quite shocked. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the English, the English, there are great people to watch music with. I remember seeing a Libertines reunion show at Hyde Park. There were 90,000 people there in like 2014 and they're all dressed like the Libertines. It was like here's 90,000 people who this just makes sense for. Um. So, so you've got some at the time of recording this. You've got some live shows coming up, and a, as a live band, you've told me once that you don't actually enjoy playing live that much. Yeah, and I'm happy if you don't want to be on the record about that. But I remember arguing with you about that because I go, "Well, I've interviewed a lot of people." Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I remember that say- conversation. Was it was it was next door in the <laughs> office, and they say that it's the best part of music. Why don't you like it that much? Well, not it's, like it, but why isn't it your most favorite thing? I think that it's just there's a lot of pressure. I put yeah. a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. That's what it is. No one really- I'm playing an electric guitar through two bloody amps and fucking 100 pedals. It doesn't- If I made a mistake, no one would hear it. I probably wouldn't even notice unless I knew that I did it. Yeah. Um, but I just want it to be perfect and I want the vocal singing to be perfect. Mm. Um, so I just put a lot of pressure on myself and it means that I can't really relax. Yeah. I know that- we really want to be known for a band that puts on really good shows. And um, so I beat myself up about playing as best as I can. And it just means that, yeah, it can be a bit stressful, yeah. Well, totally. And that's fair enough. But that's what makes you that next part. That's not, you're not playing My Sharona at a Bridie O'Reilly's. You're playing at Brixton. <laughs> you're playing at Brixton because you, you love what you do and you care about what you do. And it's a job. It's not, you know. Yeah. I think that's the reason that I, I don't really. I hear people say, "Oh, I can't wait to get, can't wait to back on start the playing, get back on the road." Or something. Like, it feels ah, like you're all about your one old. more month or another. <laughs> <laughs> but you all seem quite like into being in your own space and and doing your own thing, which is kind of, I guess. Well, it, is would you say that's almost a new band? Because like back when I was growing up, bands were just the music was like the fourth or fifth thing they cared about that day. Yeah. It was getting pissed. It was picking up. Like, I mean, even when Paul McCartney came to Sydney and they played their first Sydney show and he was, it was his 18th birthday, the newspaper actually put out a, co- a, a little cutout thing where you could write your name, address, age, and send a photo in if you wanted to go to Paul McCartney's party at his hotel in Sydney. Like, they didn't really care about playing Love, Love Me Do, but you guys are taking it a bit more serious. When we started off, we were a bit, I think, music wasn't the main priority do you know and i think we played enough gigs you know a bit too drunk and just that we didn't walk off stage and you know you, there's a look that you give your other band you know when you walk off stage you go you sit down afterwards and you go that was that was really good um do you give each other notes no but That's oh good, yeah though. sometimes okay sometimes how does that go like not straight after i heard bob marley used to have a, rent out a hotel room film the gig on tape bring everyone back to the hotel room after the show mm. He would sit in front of everyone facing the TV screen. Everyone would be behind him. And then it'd just be like, you know, you don't want him to call your name out. You know, he'd just oh, be staring wow. at the screen. Yeah. 
and it's going, you got a never do that again. So chill. You never do that again. <laughs> no, man, you seen his interviews? It's pretty hectic. Yeah, right. Like he looks chill, but well, I guess he, like James you Brown. His interviews, he gets pretty crazy, man. James like, Brown did very that passionate a man. And I remember the Sydney Big Day out years ago. I remember Anthony Kiedis allegedly threw a, a beer bottle at, at um, Jean Frusciante's head because he missed a court. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the stuff we don't see. Nah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, we don't get that angry at each other. Well, that's good. Especially recently, like we've really relaxed a lot more mm. when it comes to nitpicking about what other people do on stage because it's easy to do. What are you working on at the moment? Because obviously you've got a lot of fingers in a lot of pies. Can you play something? Because I'd like to, we talked, we've talked about the, is it the Borg? The Dobro. Dobro. Oh, you want me to play the Dobro? I want you to play something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. I, I, I guarantee you've played to me The Sound of Silence by um, <laughs> by Simon and Garfunkel many times in this room on the Gorb. And I'm just opening a bolter. Oh, I, I, uh, tell us about this guitar. Because, you know, is this the right guitar that I'm thinking of? This is on the cover of Dire Straits' it's, Sultans yeah, of Swing yeah, yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's got the set. It's called a resonator cone, and it was it was. It's ba- it's basically a, a big aluminium circle, mm. and on the inside, it's the exact same shape as a speaker. Like if you looked at a at a speaker, it's got a little circle bit mm. that sticks out, but it's all made of aluminium, and it amplifies the sound of the strings. And it was before electricity. Yeah, right. So, and it's a check instrument. It. It was in. It was invented by two brothers from Czech from Czechoslovakia. Two immigrant brothers who moved to America and fell in love with bluegrass music and built this. And how did you get one of these in your possession? Man, you can buy them, man. This one. Well, I assume by- that, but this one. Sometimes this people have got stories like, "Oh, Keith Richards gave it to me once at an airport." Actually, no, no, no. You know, <laughs> actually, actually, Johnny, Johnny took. Yes. He's got a. This is a Gretsch. He's yeah. got a real Dobro. Oh, right. He bought it from some guy in Bondi for $900. Hmm. And he goes, oh, man, I bought a Dobro. And I was like, what? You know, bring it over. And we were playing. And I go, man, this thing's pretty old. Anyway, he goes to get it set up. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's like, where'd you get this Dobro? It's one of those stories. He goes, where'd you get this? And he goes, oh, some guy who had it under his stairs in Bondi, inherited it, just sold it to me for 900 bucks. The guy's like, it's worth $5,000. Hmm. It's from 1932. And it's like an, one of the original Dobros. So, yeah. It does. I, it sounds okay. It sounds like it's from the 30s. You right. know, like those old guitars, they sound like clunk, clunk, clunk. Yeah, clunk. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like the old mics and then they're cool, but they're a bit tinny and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technology's so this been one's, invented this for one's a reason. a bit warmer, but honestly, man, I haven't played this. Well, well you can play something. If, well, you're busk, working on I used to busk with this did on the street really? for rent money. Did you? Yeah. Where 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 were you busking? What was your corner? Central Tunnel, Bono Junction, at the front of Tea Gardens. Fucking Woolworths at Town Hall. What was the best? What was the best value for money? Um, going on the doll. <laughs> no, but I always find beggars these days. Beggars these days are, are, are taking the piss. They always like, camp outside an ATM. I'm like, well, you know, I've got cash. Well, oh, you can't what? Say, That's got a good no. idea, man. Yeah, but you know that. You know this is true. You know the busker. I did that. I, when I walked the kids to school, the busker in the tunnel at the train station near where I live has a pay pass machine. With minimum two dollars, so every time you tap his machine, it's a two dollar, two dollar little uh, donation to the tunes. Yeah, this is the thing about the Dobro. It's got a lot of uh, equipment, doesn't it? Yay! So what are they? What are, what are they called? What are the things that you put on your fingers? These are, these are finger picks. Okay, um, easy. This okay. is this is where it comes into like banjo territory. You use these in banjo playing, mm. and the top four strings are the same as a banjo strings. 
That's like how a banjo's tuned. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is, it's just GBD, GBD. It's a major triad twice, which seems- Oh, is like that right? It would, so- Seems like it wouldn't work. Like, how do you play a minor chord and stuff? But you can. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't played it in a long time. Man, I forget what- There's a guy, his name's Jerry Douglas, mm. and he, uh, I learned everything I know about from him. He, um, he's a dobro player. Mm. Trying to think what, if I could play a DMA song on this. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Let's, let's finish with could. a little DMA's tune on the dobro. I need you, you don't need me to figure out, to figure out, oh, where you want to be. I don't know you. Did I need you? Did I know you? Did I show you a way to think again? Tell me, do you need a partner? Oh, Cause the criminals are here, yeah. Tell me, do you need a partner? Cause the criminals are near. Oh, the world exclusive hey. criminal single from the glow on the Dobro. Uh, Maddie, before we let you go, um, the way we end the introducing podcast is and question without notice and take your time. Can you introduce us to somebody else that you're listening to at the moment that you're working with something that we should pause this podcast right now and then straight away jump online and search oh, their dude. music? Um, now, you know what I've been listening to a lot recently is the, um, the new Rolling Blackouts album. Yeah. It's killer. I can recommend that. You know, I feel like it's, every, everyone can get into that. What's the name of the Italy? It's Italy something, isn't it? Sideways to Italy? Sideways to Italy. Is that that's it? it? Yeah, that's it. Well done. It's great. And I f- yeah, you know, I think anyone anyone could get into that. I've been listening to a bunch of other music, but I just yeah. don't think that anyone listening to this podcast- What was the last thing anyone- you listened to? <laughs> just, uh, just, just following like Spotify playlists of just like nasty metal. Yeah, okay. You know, like it's- <laughs> Well, mate, um, always a pleasure to see you and love being in this room and uh, congratulations on everything. The glow is sensational. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me, man. Love you. Lift.